Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome to the show. I've been thinking a lot recently about how boys and girls, women and men, can have slightly different experiences in education. Because, as you'll hear today, there are differences, even if only because of societal norms. This, then, is the first of a two-part special. The second part, which is going to come out tomorrow, is going to focus on the boys. But first, today, it's the girls' turn. By the way, if you, like me, are a chap and are about to hit the skip button on this episode because it's not about you, I would gently suggest it's worth having a listen in on this one nonetheless, because we gentlemen have a role in being part of the solution to the problems our young women friends are facing. Some of these are problems you didn't even realise they were facing at all. So, girls, while the spotlight is on you today, I'd say exactly the same thing to you about tomorrow's episode. In other words, do join me then to get more of an insight into what the gentlemen in your classes are dealing with, and again, the role you may be able to play in helping. And so to today, when we'll be unpicking some of the particular challenges girls face through school and university, and covering some practical advice for how you can overcome those challenges. I am delighted to be joined by two fantastic experts and advocates in the shape of Charlie Young and Tanya Meesman. Charlie is the founder and CEO of a UK-based charity, The Girls Network, which aims to inspire and empower girls from the least advantaged communities in particular by connecting them with a mentor and a network of professional female role models. Tanya is based in Australia and is the founder of the Girl Shaped Flames movement, who run the Raising Girl Shaped Flames podcast, as well as online courses for parents and girls to help develop strong girls who will become strong women and ultimately change the world. I started by asking both our experts today what sparked their desire to help girls thrive at school and beyond. Let's start with you, Tanya. Uh, Tell us a little bit about why you started Girl Shaped Flames. Absolutely. Well, I started Girl Shaped Flames just over three years ago uh, here in Australia. And I did so really, it was born out of recognizing a need that I think I hadn't paid attention to until all of the dots joined all of a sudden in my life. And suddenly it was revealed to me that there was an issue going on with the development of young girls that I potentially had reached a point in my life that I actually was able to help. And really that came about, I, I don't come from an education or a psychology or a counseling background or any of those backgrounds. Professionally, I worked in communications um, at big ad agencies on big brands around the world for about a decade. And then I moved into film production and I was a film producer for about 12 years. And then when we relocated back to Australia after being in the UK for many years, we started family and, and found ourselves back in Queensland where I took a job as head of brand and communications at a set of three international baccalaureate high schools. And it was at that point that I had been mentoring young girls throughout my career. And I had two particular young girls I was mentoring at the time, sort of early twenties, but I was also having a lot of conversations with parents 
and with students and predominantly female students. And it just became increasingly apparent that we had an exponentially growing problem on our hands when it came to girls' self-confidence, self-belief, ambition, drive, and and basically reluctance to take risks and reluctance to get out of their comfort zone. And I am one of the lucky few who came out like this, born pretty confident and have made my way through my life risk-taking when I felt that it was appropriate and and believing in myself and backing myself. And, and I've had subsequently an incredible life because of it. So when I was then faced with some very clear evidence that there were so many girls who were, were not feeling like that about themselves and, and whose pathways and potential future happiness was really being negatively impacted by this. I just had a an epiphany in a dog park one day that I thought I need to do something. I need to build something that is going to, well, we ended up with girl-shaped flames. It's going to fan those flames that are inside the bellies of the girls so that they can believe in themselves and they can go out and live courageous, determined, ambitious, confident lives as I have to now. So that was really just the little kernel that started it all. And then from there, we've sort of built Girl Shaped Flames into what it is today. Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, Charlie, I guess a similar similar question to, to yourself. Um, t- tell us a little bit about the origins of, of the Girls Network and, and why you got started. So the Girls Network is a mentoring program in England, working with 14 to 19-year-old girls from the least advantaged communities around the country. And we match them one-to-one with professional women who act as mentors to build skills and confidence, but also open up networks and opportunities that the girls otherwise wouldn't have access to. So they can be ambitious for their futures and we can support them to realise those ambitions, whatever they might they may be, whatever passion or, or fire in the belly they have. I used to be a teacher in a secondary school um, and absolutely loved it. I had fantastic young people, boys and girls in my classroom. I was teaching in a fairly deprived part of London. And so all of the young people had lots of additional challenges often be it caring responsibilities or perhaps not necessarily having all of the equipment they needed, not necessarily having access to the same opportunities. But we quickly noticed there was what we've come to term a double disadvantage for the girls we were working with, whereby because they were girls, they and other people had expectations about how they should behave, who they should be, what they should look like, what they should aspire to. So very much, Tanya, relating to the idea of not taking risks. The girls were terrified of failing in front of people, so wouldn't take opportunities even when they were there. You know, they felt I've got to, you know, be pretty, I've got to be neat and tidy, I I can't, I can't make mistakes. And that was combining with the fact that many of them were coming from communities where if adults were working, they were doing jobs to bring in money rather than necessarily pursuing careers that they were passionate about and, and they were really excited to do. Um, and women were typically doing lower status, lower paid jobs. Um, So we talk about the five C's, cleaning, catering, clerking, caring and cashiering, which are all incredibly valuable jobs, of course. Um, And I think, you know, the pandemic has taught us um, or really highlighted to us quite how essential many of those roles are. But they are lower status and lower paid. And for the girls that wanted to be actors or engineers or uh, criminal psychologists, they saw nobody like them doing that and therefore thought, well, someone like me doesn't get to do that. And it was really that sense of injustice that made me think, well, we have to do something about that. I, I know fantastic women doing fantastic things. And if we could just get these girls to meet these women and, and show them that sense of possibility, um, then maybe they could start believing that they can do that as well. And so that's really where it came from. 
Amazing, amazing stuff. Mm. It's so interesting to hear that aspect of the story because that the, the role modeling played a really fundamental role in the beginnings of Girl Shaped Flames. And our, our original tagline was, um, or rather the descriptor was, connecting teenage girls with extraordinary women through experiences, mentoring and workshops because it really was about recognizing that power that other women and other female role models can have to inspire an individual and subsequently a generation. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and it's so important, I think. So when we were setting up, we found research showing the things that make the biggest difference to young people generally's um, view as to what they can achieve were mentors, one-on-one conversations with professionals and experiences in the workplace. So a lot of those things, right? And I've always seen that as being the things that require you to engage on an emotional level and therefore the things that are going to change the way you view yourself, your future, your environment and so on. Just want to stick with that kind of theme of research for a sec, Charlie. You mentioned a little bit about the the kind of research about how we can, uh, you know, maybe go about changing some of those perceptions. Is there anything else you might add about difference in sort of confidence levels and you know attitudes to, to sort of risk taking and you know those expectations? Uh, you know, is there any kind of research that's been done with 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 young women, you know, in the classroom or or otherwise? Yeah, there's lots of research that's been done. Um, I think something that's often really important to say when talking about this and we certainly when talking to the girls we work with um, make very clear that although there are trends in data that doesn't mean it's true for every girl for every young woman and we're always really mindful as well that you know when for example talking about a lack of confidence in girls it can sometimes be heard as oh there's a there's a problem with girls and girls need fixing and that's very much not the case Um, and I also don't think that everybody has to be confident But I do think, as I think Tanya referred to earlier, actually sometimes not being confident can hold you back from things that you do want to do. So I think with sort of that as a caveat, there are absolutely trends that show that girls typically have lower self-esteem, lower levels of confidence, and will also, for example, internalize negative feedback more strongly. I think that's a, a human trait anyway is to hold on to the negative, but it's been shown that girls and, and women do that far more. And then there's 40 odd years of research about gender within the classroom uh, that, that we sort of based a lot of our, our work on and had a, had a look at as we were setting up. Um, because I think often when you work with girls, the rhetoric, particularly at school age, is, well, girls outperform boys academically. So, you know, so why look at girls? Why not support boys? Um, and I think there are absolutely lots of ways in which boys also need support. When it comes to the academics, firstly, to say that, although girls outperform boys overall, actually, when you break it down by demographic, um, there are lots of demographics of girls that aren't doing well academically. But also when we look in the classroom, um, there are, for example, trends that have been, there's one that's been deemed the invisible girl syndrome, for want of a better word, where when girls are struggling, they will typically be quieter to try and sort of disappear. They'll sit themselves around the edges in the back of the classroom um, and they will try and be sort of missed by the teacher. Whereas typically boys will let a teacher know if they're struggling, they'll be louder, they'll make a fuss. And therefore, the teacher attention is going to be drawn much more quickly to those boys. And actually, you'll have a whole group of young women who are struggling quietly and therefore never get that support because they they don't make a fuss and they don't demand it. There's also evidence showing how teachers, sometimes explicitly, but more often implicitly, will reinforce gender stereotypes about boys and girls, particularly around skills in certain subjects. So we think about the STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, maths. There's a a, a story that sticks with me um, of a maths teacher walking around a classroom of boys and girls 
who were doing their own maths problems, same same maths problems with each other. And he comes to a couple of girls who are just getting through to it, to the answer. And he's like, fantastic. Well done, girls. That's great. I'm really impressed. And sort of leaves them and goes to these boys. Similar thing. They're struggling with the problem, getting towards the answer. It's like, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Great. Okay. So when they get it, it's like, right, now, now try this. Now try this. And the kind of implicit message of, wow, I'm surprised the girls could get it. But with the boys, right, we can push you more and more. Now that teacher's not explicitly said, girls aren't very good at maths and boys are great at maths. But the way he's dealt with that situation has implicitly implied that. So I think there are really interesting examples showing how teachers, adults and other young people's expectations about how genders will behave really reinforces those, even where it's not completely obvious at at first sight. That's that's fascinating stuff. I, I want to ask about potential solutions, particularly, you know, for, for any of our listeners who who maybe sort of recognize a bit of themselves in some of the things you've been talking about. But I just want to come to, to Tanya briefly to say if there's anything you want to, to add to anything anything Charlie's just been saying. I think when we work in this space, it becomes too familiar for us, the statistics, and too much of a normalcy. Um, one of the ones that I'm going to absolutely butcher but sticks in my mind from the girls who wrote the confidence code is is that girls' confidence will drop up to 40% between the ages of 12 and 14. And when I try to portray that to parents, I try to get them to think about how confident they are right now in this moment today, sitting in your seat, how confident are you? Now imagine if you woke up tomorrow 40% less confident and imagine if you had to live life like that and try to crawl your way back. And that's really what we are seeing play out in in what Charlie's talking about. We're seeing the behavioral changes in the girls that is then causing them even further dropping back and and moving backwards in, in the progress. So, I mean, we see it over here in Australia as much as anywhere else in the world, really. So that's where the concern comes from. And that's why we do need to shift the dial. And I'll be interested in the the boy version podcast because as Charlie mentioned earlier, I get the same challenges from people about what about the boys and all you need to do is pull up some graphs around the speed and um, proportional change of girls and boys confidence as they make their way through the teen and tween years and girls always sit much higher on the chart as far as they are being more significantly affected by um, their confidence and their anxiety and their stress than boys are and the change as they grow older is exponentially higher in growth than the boys are. And that's not against boys. I'm a mother of two boys, and so they are certainly a big priority of mine as well. But the statistics show that the girls are the ones that are still struggling more than the boys, and we we need to even that out Um, And it has to be a priority until it is evened out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about about some of the the, the solutions to these challenges. And, you you know, both of your organizations have come up with some kind of fantastic ways to create some of those role models. Is there anything as individuals perhaps listening to this? What what would your kind of advice and counsel be for girls listening, uh, you know, around some of these issues you've been talking about, confidence, invisible girl syndrome, uh, you know, if you're in an environment where teachers are reinforcing those stereotypes? Why don't we start with uh, Why don't we start with Tanya? So, from the work we do at Girl Shape Flames, I believe that the work really needs to start within the girl herself. And so, I run a program, uh, a Stronger Than You Know course, that's around her spending the time to figure out 
um, who she is ultimately and what drives her and what her value set is and what fans those flames and what is she passionate about. But equally, what dampens her spirit, what makes, what negatively impacts her, um, whose opinions does she, does she value and why, uh, what is it she's striving for, who are her cheerleaders, uh, what is she proud of, what does she regret. We do a lot of work around that self-discovery because when we look at um, what's happened to girls' confidence in the last decade, you can p- map that in parallel to the arrival of um, technology, social media, smartphones. It, it's basically the minute they got introduced, all of the numbers started going up. So we have this huge issue around judgment, comparisonitis, fear of failure, which is all external validation. And we talk about intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation and all of these extrinsic uh, influences and motivations that are telling the girls you need to be like this and that's how you'll be accepted and and if you don't do this, you won't succeed. And all of these kind of goals that they're setting for themselves, they're not actually setting them for themselves. The world is setting them for them. And if it's extrinsic, they are not going to be purely motivated to get to it. And even if they do get to that goal, it's going to be empty because it was never theirs in the first place. It's the best work that I believe any girl listening can do is to sit down and really do that self-discovery and figure out who you are and what you want out of the world. What are your values? What are you proud of? Um, Who are your supporters? And do that work as early as possible, even if we're talking eight, nine, 10 years old, so that they can start to already feel a solid formation of self within them. But there is one thing that I say to the girls all the time, which is, it might sound a little bit dramatic, but the one thing that is with you forever from the moment you take your first breath until the moment you take your last is you. And you are the thing that you can control and you are the thing that you can influence. So it is your responsibility to figure out who you are and and build yourself into the person you want to be and give yourself those chances and those opportunities um, by really respecting yourself and honoring yourself and growing yourself and no one can take that away from you, not your circumstances, not what happens to you in life. No one can take away who you are inside. So it, it's quite, you know, big thinking, full on work. But the earlier the girls can start seeing themselves like that, the sooner they then start to step into saying yes to their opportunities, saying no to the things that are going to bring them back down and forming a, a more direct sort of line towards things that they actually want and feeling as though they deserve them because this is another big problem we have is that the girls, they sometimes don't feel like they they deserve something or they're allowed or whatever. So to any girl listening, I'd say, you know, do that work and spend that time understanding that about yourself, write it down, put post-it notes everywhere, have stimulus around you that reminds you who you are and what you believe in and stick true to that as best you can. And just finally, quickly, what about the the point you mentioned around sort of social media and external influences? Do you have any kind of practical thoughts on managing that and setting boundaries? I, I literally, as of tonight, we are literally putting our finishing touches on a product we're releasing out to parents at the moment, which is going to be our screen and social media collaborative agreement that we are arming parents with, which is a collaborative contract that they can sit down with their daughters and sons if they want to, to to work out some boundaries around screen and social media time. Now, that beautiful PDF is cased in some instructional videos that really encourage parents to try to find a little bit of patience and open-mindedness when it comes to social media and screen time because at the end of the day, 
um, it, it's it's a their fabric of being. I believe that we need to help prepare and give our girls and boys the tools and the the mental strategies to be able to navigate social media and and screen time and technology independently. So we have to, what we talk about in our parenting stuff is we have to co-regulate with them so that we can go side by side with them as they learn about it and and the pros and the cons and the ups and the pitfalls. But eventually we have to let them pull away and experience it themselves and navigate it themselves. So something like this contract we've done, it's to put some boundaries in place so that the students themselves can also get quite cognizant about what does social media make them feel and what are the positive uses of it and how can they be aware if they start going down negative rabbit holes and when it's not being productive for them. So it's about education, it's about self-awareness, and it's about keeping an open mind and an open conversation between parent and daughter or son about what is going on for them online because the first thing we want is if they are ever experiencing something negative through social media, whether it's just depression and anxiety because of what they're seeing on social media or if it goes so far as bullying or any of the other worst things that happen online, you as their parent, you want to be the very first person they come to about that. So there's a lot of work to be done in that space, Um, but the biggest thing I'd leave with every parent is there is no point putting your head in the sand about this and waiting until it goes away because it's not going anywhere. So we have to learn as the grown-ups, we have to learn what this world is like and then help impart our, you know, knowledge and wisdom of human behavior into our kids so that they can then navigate it on their own successfully. I think some some great thoughts, some great thoughts in that. Charlie, I'd, I'd love to sort of stick with this theme of sort of practical thoughts you know, particularly for, for girls, that example you gave earlier of that sort of invisible girl in that classroom that sort of stuck in my, my mind as an image. If she was listening to this podcast, you know, what might you say to her to help her in, in that sort of situation? I think Tanya made a really, really important point there about knowing self. And I guess what I'd also say is know that you're enough and you do have value. And that might sound silly. And hopefully everybody listening does already know and believe that. But I think sometimes it can be a barrier to, to knowing yourself in thinking, well, actually, am I good enough? Because you're being told you need to conform to this, you need to conform to that. A young person asked me the other day what my biggest regret was, which is a hard question. And I don't spend much time thinking about it. But the thing that I said was, I regretted not knowing sooner that what I had to say was worth listening to. And actually, the opinions I had that were different to other people, the things I liked, that were different to what other people liked, were the things that made me more interesting. They were the things that now as an adult, I think, hey, they're the things I love about myself the most because they're different. And actually they are the things that give me energy. They're my flames, you know? So I think that's what I'd say. Know that that is the case. Most people feel often that it isn't. Like There'll be times when you don't feel enough. There will be times when you're not feeling great. And that's also normal. Don't beat yourself up about that. Just recognize that is the case and remember that you are enough. And have people around you, I think, that will remind you of how good you are. Have friends that will remind you of that. Find adults. Well, I mean, one of the amazing things we see with our mentoring is where the girls have this adult that's investing in them that isn't their parent, that isn't someone being paid to teach them that has to invest in them. It's somebody choosing to invest in them because they're worth it. And the installation of like, gosh, I really must have something here because this person that doesn't even know me yet has decided that I'm worth investing time in. And I think, you know, everybody, everybody deserves that. So, you know, as a young person, finding adults in your life that 
you can turn to that can invest in you that can support you in that respect as well I think is really really important and then I guess the final thing is around sort of voice and agency and actually you can change the things around you as Tanya said of course the thing that you can really control yourself but you have a lot of agency and you have a voice and that can help to shape the things around you. So don't be afraid to speak up if something isn't working for you. If you want to do things differently, there's an awful lot that's within your power, um, which is sometimes a scary thing, but also an exciting thing. I remember being younger and realizing, oh my goodness, if I wanted to stand up and say something now, I could. And that's terrifying, but it's also quite exciting because that's going to spiral into other things happening. So I think remembering that you do have agency and voice is really, really important as well. On the social media front, then I just say I totally agree. It's a, an amazing tool, but can be a real challenge as well. You know, we spend a lot of time talking to our mentors, making very clear that actually there's no point saying, oh, social media is terrible. Look at, look at what it's done. Actually, it's a brilliant thing as well. Um, and there's absolutely no good coming from just wishing it wasn't there. We have to educate young people to use it properly um, and to know when it's dangerous and as you say Tanya to know when to step away to know when something's not healthy but I think as adults we have also a responsibility to to embrace the brilliance of it and how it can actually be an amazing tool we've seen so many young people using social media uh, YouTube TikTok Instagram other platforms to create their own businesses and profiles and that entrepreneurial innovative spirit through lockdown where actually a lot have been really struggling being so isolated at home and not being in school has been a real lifeline. And I think a really exciting development in society, a really exciting way that, that businesses are sort of growing. So I think there's, there's real value in there that we, we should recognize and encourage as well. I was just curious, Charlie, some of the things you, you said, just thinking about how challenges and, and their solutions might evolve slightly as, as girls get a little older. You know, we, we also have quite a few university, college age students listening as well. And certainly some of the things I see at that level, you know, self-esteem continues to be a big theme. I just wondered if, uh, you know, maybe Charlie, to start with, you had any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I think imposter syndrome is fascinating. It's worth remembering everybody suffers from it. And actually, plenty of men suffer from it too. And most adults suffer from it. Uh, the number of times I get a CV sent to me from the most incredibly impressive woman saying, do you think I could possibly mentor? I'm not sure I'm good enough. I'm not sure I've got enough experience. And I look through her CV and I'm like, I'm not sure how you could possibly have any more experience. Like, I would like you to be my mentor. So I think remembering everybody gets it. And that's, that's quite good. I mean, it makes me think a little bit of that when you're on stage and performing and people say, imagine everybody naked. It's that kind of, everybody is vulnerable. So like just you feeling vulnerable, you're not on your own. Everybody's feeling the same way. They, we just learn at different stages to put on that, put on that front. Um, so I think that's probably one thing. I think also, you know, for, for young adults, you might not have the same source of ready role models in that, you know, you don't necessarily have a school full of teachers around you. You might have great university lecturers. But I think at that point, you can absolutely go out and start finding mentors yourself. I think if you know the things that inspire and excite you, and there's somebody that you really respect that you see in the public eye or within a sphere, I would encourage you to get in touch with them and ask if you can go for a coffee and have a conversation or jump on Zoom. And mostly people say yes to that because people like to help. And if they haven't got time and you've told them why you want to have a conversation, they'll probably suggest somebody else that might be quite good. But I think that's another really good way of starting to explore areas you're interested in, find people that can recognize where you have skills and talent and that can open doors for you and can help to build your sense of actually this is my identity this is me and and this is something I might be able to pursue and again this person is choosing to invest time in me 
um, and support me to develop in that way. So I think that's a, another really good thing that as a, a young adult, you can you can start to do too. Yeah, that's a great thought. I'd just be interested in, uh, you know, for any boys that have stuck with us uh, through the episode, <laughs> and I hope there are a few, uh, you know, what, what would your thoughts be on their side? So, you know, what could they do to help, whether they're a peer or maybe a teacher? Let's start with uh, Tanya. We need all the support we can get, really. So I think it's really about boys not just being cheerleaders or other girls, and I'm not even asking for that, to be honest. I would just ask for equality and for seeing every person in the room as a person of equal value, of equal contribution, that anyone can come from a problem from any angle, whether it's boy or a girl otherwise, and just being quite inclusive. And if you find yourself just probably walking away from this episode with a slight more awareness of boys and girls in your realm and being able to notice in yourself when you default to turning towards your male friends and asking for opinions or involving them in conversations or asking them for assistance or help or offering assistance or help versus turning to the other direction and seeing a girl in your in your world, uh, a friend or, a, or another student or anything, and basically engaging with them instead and, and making those more conscious choices about who you keep in your circle and who you engage and and who you seek out support and collaboration with. That's really the best thing we can do because one of the key things that I often say to the girls is I really want them to come away from Girl Shape Flames and away from high school with no gender glasses on. I want them to be making their way through the world feeling equal and being treated equally and having other people see everyone as equal so that we don't have a boy girl thing anymore. It's literally just, we're all human and we're all people and we're all doing the best we can collaboratively with each other and all of our minds together. So the boys in the room, just do that. It's not about giving girls special treatment. It's not about trying to give them favoritism or um, anything like that. It's just about treating them with the same equality and consideration that you'd give any of your boyfriends. Excellent stuff. Charlie? Yeah. One important thing to say is that boys, men aren't the problem. I think sometimes when we talk about gender and girls and women, we can end up talking in a way that that can be alienating for boys and for men, for anyone that doesn't identify as being a woman or a girl. And I think it's really important to say that's not the case. That said, I think, you know, as we look at trends and data, we know there's an issue. I, something that's stuck with me has been the fact that boys learn to interrupt girls from the age of something like three or four, a really, really young age. So I think to Tanya's point, just being aware of of who you're giving airtime to, whose voices you're listening to when you are in a in a mixed group. I think allyship is really important as well, the idea of standing up for and championing each other. And I don't think that's just a gendered thing. I think that's in any situation, in any dynamic, where there is a minority voice being really, really aware that everybody, again, is getting equal airtime and, and you're championing people. And also when you're calling out things that aren't right. So having the the confidence to say when someone says something that isn't appropriate that's going to demean or belittle somebody i think that's a really really important role that we can all play but i think when talking about gender and girls and women i think that's a really important thing that the boys and men can do to be good allies and to get behind this and say actually you know we all believe in equality for everybody and historically men and boys have generally had more of the power more of the voice and so 
it's about it's about leveling that and bringing about an equitable society for everybody. I agree every single thing you just said. It was so good. I remember when I was a graduate and I got into the DDB graduate program when I was 19 straight out of uni and to get into that program we had to go and do these all day interviews essentially and they put you through the ringer on all of these different activities and tests. But they did these group activities and just seeing those group activities play out and seeing some of those masculine versus feminine behaviors and traits and forward and backwards, the group that resulted that of the 12 graduates, we were evenly split, six girls, six boys. And honestly, sitting in that room, we were all treated and we all treated each other as equally valuable because we knew that either party brought different strengths to the table. And if we were going to do the best we could on cracking the world's best campaign for Volkswagen's latest car, we needed girls and boys' brains at the table because together we were going to make something incredible. And that's how I hope that future generations see each other is that it's not about boy-girl, it's about incredible brains and minds and emotions at the table all together, working together to make this like incredible and better world absolutely i think it's the idea of your success is our success absolutely and i think that's a great great segue i just wanted to loop back on one final point that you mentioned earlier charlie about stereotypes in terms of subjects studied and underrepresentation of of girls in in sort of science technology type subjects any kind of again sort of practical strategies particularly for girls in terms of how they might be able to kind of overcome those barriers perhaps um i mean i think it comes back to what Tanya was saying early on about knowing who you are and knowing what gives you energy and what you enjoy doing and, you know, not shying away from that if it's not what all your, all of your friends like to do. But I would also say exposing yourself to lots of different opportunities and sectors and ideas. I studied science at A-level and I'd never really considered engineering. And now as an adult, I look back and I think, well, actually, probably I would have quite enjoyed to be an engineer. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love what I do, but um, I, I didn't know that was an option. And so I think taking opportunities and exposing yourself to different ideas, different sectors, different skill sets, you know, using your hands to create things as well as using your mind to, to explore ideas, um, as well as, you know, creating beautiful things with paint or your voice or whatever it might be, exploring those different ways of being and working to really understand what you enjoy and what gives you energy. Um, because it might well be in a subject or sector that that you had consciously or unconsciously ruled out because it wasn't a girl's job. Fantastic. I want to kind of come towards our close. This has been such a fantastic conversation. Both of you, thank you so much for, for your generosity of sort of insights and, and, and wisdom. It's It's been so, so great. I want to ask you each a final kind of question, which is really two questions wrapped up into one. Tell us a little bit about where people can find out more about what you do if they want to go and look into more of sort of the work you do in your organizations. Uh, and then perhaps finish with the piece of advice you think your 16-year-old self would have found most useful to hear. So, uh, Tanya, why don't we start with you? Um, well, the easy one of those two questions is you can find Girl Shaped Flames at girlshapedflames.com and you can get a hold of us, info at girlshapedflames.com. We are on all the normal places. For the students listening, I would say jump on our Instagram. That's probably your best place to follow us, which is um, Girl Shaped Flames is our handle. And we put out lots of sort of inspirational content and role models and things like that. And then we're obviously on Facebook as well, but mainly for any parents or educators listening, we have a Facebook group called Raising Girl Shaped Flames. We've got about a thousand or so parents and educators in there. Um, So that's sort of your best place to come if you're the parent listening. 
As far as my advice to my 16-year-old self, I always find this one tricky to answer because as I mentioned in my intro, I, I didn't ever really struggle too much with confidence, but I think what I did struggle with was a tussle around those extrinsic and external factors that I would sometimes use to gauge my own self-worth. So I come from a family that has a big focus on achievement and education and things like that. And so I grew up um, being quite hard on myself around what constituted success and what constituted uh, an acceptable level of success. So I think if I could go back to 16, where in Australia I would have been in grade 11, I would have been able to say to myself, you're doing a pretty awesome job. Um, You're a good person and you're working hard, but just remember that the things that you're working for need to be for you and they need to be motivated by stuff that you want as opposed to doing them for other people and hoping that if you do them well enough for other people, they're going to like you more or love you more or accept you more. Do it for you because that's something you're going to learn when you, as in I would be saying to myself, you're going to learn that as you get older, that the experiences that you do for yourself far, far outweigh in reward than anything you've ever done for another person in your life. Your your grade card matters, but your worth is defined by so much more than the grades you bring home from school. <laughs> indeed, indeed. That's brilliant. And we'll we'll put those those um details in the in the show notes for people. So at Girl Shaped Flames on Instagram for particularly for the students and then the the Raising Girl Shaped Flames Facebook group for for parents and podcast of the same name. Oh that's right. I have a podcast too. We were just chatting on the other day. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. Well, Tanya, thank you ever so much. Um, Charlie, uh, same questions for you. So where can people go to find out more about the Girls' Trust and the work you do? And also, what would, again, what would be that that bit of advice you'd most like to give to your younger self? Thank you. So we're um, at www.thegirlsnetwork.org.uk. We're also um, on, again, all the platforms at The Girls' Network on Instagram, at The Girls' Net on Twitter probably our two our two busiest platforms um again with lots of um inspiration and opportunities and things to get involved in in terms of my advice to my 16 year old self i mean i would definitely have benefited from tanya's advice um to myself too for want of offering myself some some different advice i think i would also say that it's okay to say no um and that saying no doesn't need to lead to conflict it can actually lead to really interesting and valuable conversation and discussion and it can grow and enhance relationships. So it is okay to say no or to get, disagree with somebody. Um, and sometimes that that ends up with a better a better outcome for everybody. Absolutely, a level of uh, a level of challenge. I think that's that's nice. That's really nice. Charlie, thegirlsnetwork.org.uk. and again, we'll we'll put that link in the show notes uh, for everybody, along with uh, some of your favourite social media. Uh, handles both thank you ever so much uh, once again this has been such a wonderful conversation and i hope we've i hope we've lit some flames uh together today absolutely thank you so much william great thank you thanks again wasn't that wonderful if you're feeling inspired why not leave us a rating and a review in your podcast app it would make our day thanks again for listening and see you soon